while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know we're for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Good morning. You can go ahead and take a seat. Um, if I have not gotten a chance to meet you, my name is Joy Gonzalez, and I'm the campus pastor here at Uptown Church, um, or today is Skeleton. <laughs> um, I realized just as, like, right as I was about to walk out here, I have lost all authority as a reverend and minister being in a skeleton costume. Um, but my three-year-old, and I have a three-year-old son, and this year he finally, like, understands kind of what this holiday is about, and so he asked my husband and I, can we dress up as skeletons, like a family of skeletons for Halloween? And I, how can you say no, like, to your three-year-old son? I was like, anything you want. And he's like, and we get candy on that day, too. And I was like, anything you want. So here we are. We are doing family costumes. And so glad you're here, some of you in costume as well. Um, as I was kind of thinking of that exchange with my husband, it just, or with my son as we were preparing for Halloween, it got me thinking, like, isn't that so like God, too? Like, we almost are kind of like that innocent child sometimes, like, oh, oh, God, would you? Or, oh, God, do you see me? Oh, do you, do you know what's going on in my life? Oh, do you care about the things I care about? And that just the interaction for Halloween in a silly costume way reminded me, like, so much of the goodness of God towards us, that, like, God loves us that much, that God is willing to, like, condescend to us and be like, Sure. And so that just has been my little Halloween revelation. So anyway, so happy Halloween. We are, like Elizabeth said, today is a special day in the Christian calendar because Halloween is not really just a cultural holiday. Um, it's actually a Christian holiday that we celebrate and that started in the church. So I don't know if you knew that, but Halloween started in the Christian faith tradition. So to get us going, I want to do a little bit of some Halloween trivia, see who we have in the room. Um, do you feel pretty confident that your Halloween trivia skills are good? No. Okay, someone was just straight up honest. There we go. Okay, it's not so much trivia as much as your preference. So I'm going to need you to like participate in this. It's a classic this or that Halloween edition. Okay, how many of you give candy? Any give candy? How many of you like to get candy versus give candy? Okay, most of y'all will be out tonight trick-or-treating. Okay, how many of you like chocolate candy or fruity candy? Okay, yell it out. Fruity, chocolate, okay. Yeah, 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 both. No, you have to pick one. Um, okay, like candy corn? Any candy corn? Um, a normal human being. <laughs> Who are you people that like candy corn? It is the worst. Okay, now you know what my preference is. Okay, who likes to carve pumpkins? Okay, and what about you paint pumpkin people? The dawn of Pinterest has made us paint pumpkin people. Okay, what about DIY costume, anybody? Woo! 
anybody's parent, like, you would say something cool, and then your parents like, we can make that. And you're like, no, no. Yeah. Okay, or store-bought costume. How many store-bought costumes in the room? Okay. Um, here we go. Scary costume or Bible character costume? Oh, Yeah. I rocked the, like, angel a few times and a few other Bible characters I won't bore you with. Okay, trick-or-treating or church harvest festival. Who grew up going to a church harvest festival instead of a trick-or-treating? Oh, gosh, I'm the only one with Halloween scars. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, okay, this is my favorite question. What is most terrifying, specifically in a Halloween horror movie? Dolls or clowns? <laughs> dolls? How many dolls? Come on, yeah. Uh, clowns? Okay, yeah, it's a pretty even spread for you guys. Okay, well, I want to get started with that just to see who, what type of Halloween people we have in the room. But like I said, Halloween is this powerful, actually really powerful Christian holiday. But a few days ago, our um, someone on our team asked, hey, does anyone have like a really great trick-or-treating costume that we could put out on Instagram to like advertise some of the things we've got coming up this weekend? And I was like, uh, I have nothing, no Halloween, like real trick-or-treating costumes. So we, who saw this? This is Pastor Elizabeth Mosley, who was just up here a minute ago. She had to be, she was the one who had a Halloween costume out of the two of us because my parents were not big on celebrating, like I said, Halloween, because I was told it was like bad. And every Every year about this time, there will be something that usually surfaces like on TikTok or Instagram or Reel about can Christians celebrate Halloween? Has anyone seen those? They're pretty humorous if you dig into the comments, but it'll waste your life. Um, but I didn't grow up really celebrating this holiday other than a few church harvest festivals because it was evil or at best just secular. But the real power of Halloween comes in that it, beginning of the 13th century, the Christian church started celebrating what's called um, All Hallows Eve. And All Hallows Eve is just like what Christmas Eve is to Christmas, that it was the eve before All Saints Day. And All Saints Day is this beautiful day in the church in which we celebrate the people of faith who have gone on, passed on before us, but leave their legacy of faith with us. And it was this moment in the church, this chance for the church to have everyone stop because we all get busy in our lives and we all get so distracted. There's so much going on. But to stop and to recognize that we experience loss in our lives. That being Christians isn't an antidote or a vaccine against pain and loss. But it's, it's part of it. That believing in Jesus, following God, doesn't mean we get to check out on the bad parts of life. 
because our world is still broken, because our world is still what it is, because we're humans, we still encounter not only the loss of people we love, but the loss of things that are important to us, the loss of relationships, broken relationships, the loss of careers. That's, that's a big one for many of us, doing something and committing our lives to something and then losing it for one reason or another. And so the church created this day that was meant to, and I think if we can recapture it, still has the power today to get us to stop and to focus on the pain that is still present in our lives. To recognize the fact that we have indeed, whether it been over this past year or the years before, we have lost something. Again, to remember, following Jesus doesn't exempt us from the realities, even the brutal realities of life. And so All Hallows' Eve was this time to um, remember that, to prepare for that special day. But because we get lazy sometimes in our English, uh, all was dropped and it was Hallows' Eve and then it became Halloween. And then all of these other traditions got added with it. But there's some powerful things, and so I just want to spend a couple minutes talking about that because I hope that not only can this day continue to be fun for us, that it can continue to be something we engage in with joy and that brings joy to our lives, even if you're wearing a costume in front of a room full of people or whatever. It can be a fun day for us, but it can also be a poignant moment in our lives that like the early church leaders who instituted All Saints Day, we can remember not only the people we've lost, those saints in the faith who have gone before us, but recognize the very real places in our lives we still experience pain and loss today. So a little um, background to some of the traditions linked to All Hallows' Eve and All Saints' Day. Did you know that trick-or-treating initially was not really about candy, but was came about because people on this day, All Hallows' Eve, and preparing to celebrate the saints of the faith and the people and their lives that had gone on before them, a lot of people would go door to door, house to house, and ask for um, food or gifts of money for the poor. They realized that the people in the Christian faith who provide our legacy, we need to carry on that legacy. And so one of the ways they did that was to go and to ask people to give food and money and gifts, what we call alms, to those who were in need. Because it was a reminder that if we're experiencing loss, somebody else is too. And so how can we bless them even in the midst of their grief? So did you know that? Trick-or-treating tonight was really a way to go and to gather to bless others. So if nothing else, share your candy with somebody tonight. And then costumes. This whole idea of costumes, costumes such as skeletons um, and things that had to do with death, um, were a way for Christians, early Christians, to begin to mock death to mock this fear that most people have of death, realizing that one of the prevalent fears, and if you still ask people today, centuries later from when this holiday was started, what is one of the things you're most afraid of? Many people, many people will say their own death, 
or the death of somebody they love. And these costumes came about as a way to mock this fear, to kind of push back at this fear of death in light of the Christian faith, to remember and almost make light of our deepest fear. And to say, no, 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 death doesn't hold the power over us because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus' resurrection. We know death is not the end. So these costumes were a way to, to kind of push back the fear and to hold in perspective the Christian hope of life beyond death. That death is not the end of our stories. And I love, love, love that. It gives me a little bit more courage to wear the skeleton costume in front of people because I love that idea of maybe not so much mocking like these early believers did, like death and making light of death, but mocking our fear, turning our fear on its head and remembering that the hope we have in Jesus extends beyond the fears that are very real and present in our lives because fear, loss, pain are real experiences. But because of Jesus, they are not the finality of our experience. They do not get to define our whole human experience. And that was this beautiful power of All Hallows' Eve and All Saints' Days was this recognition that, yeah, following Jesus doesn't just make life easy. It, we definitely say it makes life better, but it doesn't make it easy. Following Jesus doesn't mean, like some traditions teach, like that everything will go good in your life. All you got to do is pray to Jesus. How many people know that doesn't work? We've all been there. But it was this way to capture not only the reality of life as it is, but the true and abiding and the deeper reality, the present in Jesus Christ. And I love, love that. Because how powerful is it to know that your deepest fear, your deepest life, or loss in life doesn't define the rest of your life. There's this moment that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he understands this, this understanding of loss and, and grief. And he has this final moment with them. We often talk about it when we celebrate at, at church communion once a month. But he has a final meal with them. And Jesus, in the way only Jesus can, tells them about the grief they're going to experience. He names the fears that they have before they even get to that point and gives them hope for tomorrow. And so as we wrap up, I want to just give you three things for this day and for tomorrow, which is actually All Saints Day, for, these, for this holiday that goes together. That what if we could reclaim the hallow, which simply that just meant holy, holy eve or holy saints. What if we could reclaim the holy in Halloween? Not that we're doing away with the fun, not that we're saying it's a bad holiday. It is not. Again, comes from the Christian tradition. But where could we take it a step further and let it be a reminder of the goodness of God in our lives as we go from tonight and all of its festivities into tomorrow? 
And I think there's three ways we could do that, pretty practical but powerful ways to do that. One, honor the saints. Who are the saints in your life? Now, we, when we talk about saints um, in our Christian tradition, we're not talking about veneration of the saints and praying to people who have died. We're simply, when we use that word saint, we're talking about those people in the faith who have gone on before us, who have completed their journeys, who have walked into eternal life beyond this life. And so that's what we mean by saints. And who are the saints in your life? Who are the people that remind you or that have shown you the goodness of God? Whether you were close to them or you just knew about them, they were that person in church that just always inspired you if you were a kid and grew up in church because they seemed so devout. And, or maybe it was your grandmother or grandfather who prayed for you even when you thought that church stuff was dumb. Who are the saints that you can honor and give thanks to God for, that you are the person you are today because of them? And then I think the second thing is acknowledging our grief. I'm not going to take a poll um, because I don't know how I would have answered this poll a few years ago because it wasn't up until a few years ago that I remember experiencing the death of several people that I loved. I lived a long time without experiencing great loss and grief. And maybe you're in that place too, and you're like, well, I don't have grief, you know, like I haven't lost anybody. But as I was thinking this week about it, I was like, man, we've all experienced a collective grief. And, And you read articles about this all the time over this last 18, 19 months of a pandemic. And we've lost to date 736,000 people simply because of COVID. Many of us have lost or transitioned jobs because of this or because we've graduated from college and moved into a new season of life or we realize that, you know, that's not what I'm passionate about. I'm going to change my course correction. But even those minor course corrections come with a bit of loss because It means we have to reimagine our life in a new way and let go of what we thought would be a future we had anticipated. So I think whether or not you would raise your hand and say, yes, I've experienced the loss of maybe a saint in your life or someone you know, I think we could all say truthfully that we've experienced or understand some measure of grief in our life because grief is simply the weight of the loss and the pain that we experience in life that we most poignantly feel when it's the loss of a person that has been removed from our lives. So what is that grief that maybe you're carrying that you haven't acknowledged? We don't often talk in church about acknowledging grief. We want to like come and, and talk about the hope But the hope is only powerful when we can acknowledge that we can hope in the midst of the world as it is. That's what makes the hope of the Jesus movement, the hope that we sing about here so powerful is it's not naivety, it's not denying anything, but it's affirming that in the midst of all these things, no matter what my circumstances are, There is something greater that I can hold on to and rather something that's holding on to me. And I've already alluded to this, but remembering our hope 
is taking the acknowledgement of our grief in light of life as it is, but God still being who God is, honoring those who have gone before us, knowing that they paved a way for us, and remembering the hope that we have. Jesus says this to his disciples in that final meal that he has when he's preparing them to leave. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, asks, Lord, why are you about to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, whoever loves me will keep my word. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word that you hear isn't mine. It is the word of the father who sent me. I love this. Jesus has this moment with his disciples and he reminds them, though you have been present with me physically in my earthly ministry, that is going to change. I'm going away. He, he's telling them of his death, but then he, he tells them also of his resurrection. And he, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. And I love that because the biggest fear we have with death and grief and loss and pain in our life is that it will ultimately lead to us being alone. And Jesus reminds his disciples, no, you are going to experience all of it, because you live in this world, not yet fully redeemed, you're going to experience it, but you will not be left alone. And Jesus says, as you live in my love, I will continue to remain in you, and you will continue to remain in me. That, that That's what we do. He says, continue to engage that love, live in that, and as you do, you continue to remain in me and open the door for me to remain in you and to live life as it is truly meant to be lived. And then Jesus speaks of about resurrection. They don't know this yet because he's telling them this before he's crucified and before he's resurrected, which is the grounding truth of our Christian faith. But he says, because I live, you will live too. Reminding them death is not the end. What you thought was the end of the story is not. You will continue to live. But he continues to emphasize this idea that I'm always with you when you live in my love. That eternal life, the goodness of life, begins today. Friends, I hope as this day comes and goes into tomorrow and the rest of the week, that there is some reclaiming of the holy in your life. As you're honest about where you're, you're at today, the good, the bad, the ugly the pain, the joy, the grief, the death, whatever your experience, and remembering that because of Jesus, because of what God has done, the worst things in life are never the last. The worst things that could ever happen to us do not have to define the rest of our stories. And that is the power, not only of the resurrection, but of this day. That is the power of Halloween. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that in all things you are with us. That God, you promise in your word that you will not leave us. You will not leave us orphans. You will not leave us alone. But that God, you will continue to be with us. And perhaps the greatest gift in all of our life is not that it goes perfectly all of the time, but in all things, you remain. In all things, you continue to well up within us a hope that our life is not bound to our circumstances, our life is not bound to the things that happen to us, but that our life is founded upon and rooted upon the hope we have in you. God, would you remind us today that we may be people who experience pain, but we experience it with a measure of hope. We may be people who grieve, but we grieve with hope. And we will be people who die and experience death, but we do so with hope because of you. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.